Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Derek Boyd. Derek Boyd, a 20-year risk management and safety leader, focuses on development of others and helping colleagues deliver digestible loss mitigation solutions. He recently joined Green Hat Group as the Global Environmental Health and Safety Director, overseeing a team of seven EHS professionals. GreenHack is a privately held air conditioning and warm air heating combination units global manufacturing company with 25 locations. Prior, Derek spent five years as the Director of Risk Management, Property and Casualty for M3 Insurance on the brokerage side of PNC Insurance. He led a team of 18 professionals that served clients in the areas of safety, loss prevention, workers' compensation, and claims management. Derek also spent approximately 12 years on the insurance carrier side of the business with Liberty Mutual Insurance as an industrial hygienist. Derek cut his teeth working under the direction of many talented EHS professionals at Bear Corporation in Pittsburgh, PA. For three years, he consulted with all United States Bear manufacturing facilities as a corporate industrial hygienist and traveled the country frequently to consult with many types of operations, from chemical manufacturing to pharmaceutical production. Derek began his career out of college working as a health and safety specialist for Bayer at a small toll manufacturer at various chemicals in Marinette, Wisconsin. Derek holds active memberships with the American Society of Safety Engineers and the American Industrial Hygiene Association. He also has been the Property Casualty Insurers Association of American Representatives on the ANSI Z117 Confined Space Committee. In addition, he has authored various occupational disease-related articles and professional posters in trade publications and at the American Industrial Hygiene Conference and Expo. From 95 to 2001, Derek was an EMT, firefighter, and hazmat responder for various fire departments in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Hey, Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. As we introduced you to our guests, you have a very in-depth background, but today, Derek, we'd like to focus on your consulting expertise and what you've learned throughout the years that has positively impacted customer service. So to get started with that, what key skills make an impactful consultant? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that question. I'd like to focus a little bit on consulting and really what learnings make a big difference regarding customer service. So Relatively early in my career, there were a number of influential people in my life that took particular interest to coach and mentor me. This investment from time to time really came with expected readings, like probably many of you. And one particular book that I remember had a pretty big influence on helping me is something I'd like to talk a little bit about today. By reading this as part of my career development, I learned the difference between being a valuable consultant to my customers versus 
what many have experienced in less impactful engagements. This old green copyrighted 1981 book with yellowed tape on it <laughs> to keep the bindings going really was gifted to me by one of the smartest influential industrial hygienists I've had the pleasure to study under. And some of what I'm referring to in today's podcast is paraphrased from Flawless Consulting. It's a guide to getting your expertise used by Peter Block. And one thing, Ted, I would say, there's a warning with this. Flawless Consulting, uh, for all those avid readers out there that are listening, Flawless Consulting is better absorbed in small doses. That's helpful. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Probably smaller for me than most. (laughs) (laughs) Very possible, Ted, knowing you. You know me for 20 years, Derek. You would know. I love it. (laughs) Exactly. So to really unpack that question in specifics, what key skills make an impactful consultant? I think this question could be answered in, in a lot of ways. And I'll try to unpack it just a little bit for our listeners to gain a nugget or two. We are consulting really anytime we're involved with attempting to change or enhance a circumstance, right? Or that situation, but really have no little kind of maybe no direct control over implementation of whatever we're consulting on. So I think remembering if we find ourselves having direct control over implementation of this fictitious example that I'm talking about, then we're really managing and not consulting any longer. So having the ability to consistently leverage our technical abilities about a subject matter and convincing whomever we're working on managing this circumstance I'm just fictitiously talking about to accept and adapt our recommendations very simply equals being an impactful consultant. It really is that simple. And I know that's a lot of words, but being accurate, dependable, organized, technically proficient in your area of expertise, et cetera. Those things, they're all what I would call, and maybe you've heard this from me, Ted, you know, that's the cost of admission. Like, that's expected. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. But I'd like to sort of carve that question up just a little bit more. I'd ask myself, do I find that clients are canceling or routinely asking for a meeting or appointment to be rescheduled? That should be a clue. Do you experience that people are seeking you out for consulting advice? If not, that should maybe be a clue that maybe your impact isn't all that impactful. Very true. If you're visiting a customer location, and this is the one that I love, if you're visiting a customer location and after you get through all your pleasantries and introductions, are you given freedom to go about and get your job, that consulting job done for the customer? Or are you paraded around on a very short leash and only provided a glimpse into what that client or customer wants you to see and really get you back out the door? And I think that should be another clue, again, about your impact, if that's what's happening to you. Or are you being trusted and given a tremendous amount of freedom? Do you have those repeat customers that essentially are coming back to you and wanting more? And lastly, I would say I could go on and on as I've talked a lot about this impactful consultant image. When people are following your consulting advice and executing on your suggested recommendations, the self-reflection should indicate that you are making an impact. You should know that when you get in the car, right? Know that you made a difference within that organization. Absolutely. I think those were great points and they're very easy to know, right? Because every time you said one, that made me think, wow, yeah, exactly. If they're showing you around, they don't have that trust in you. Absolutely. And my hope today, Ted, is that I can give people some things to reflect on and think about maybe ways they can refine how they're consulting. And that's hopefully what we'll accomplish. And when we're talking consultant, we're talking just any safety professional, but we put it in the contents of consultant, right? Absolutely. And I'm going to sort of talk a little bit more about that here, I think, in a few minutes. 
I think those are all really good points. And as Ted says, they're kind of simple, which is a good thing, but we really need to be reminded because I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight. Right. Or get impatient, right? Right. Exactly. How has authentic been received? Yeah. Over the years, I get asked what I do. And my answer or my wife's answer about what I do is typically centered around describing that I'm a consultant within the health and safety field. Consulting really to many sounds vague and sometimes complex in nature, right? I've learned that so much of what I do centers around trust. And do I have a trusting relationship with those I'm consulting with or hope to earn the opportunity to work with in the future? And Peter Block's book, The Flawless Consultant, that I talked about, really hammers on this a lot. And thankfully, over the years, I've had the pleasure of testing the theory hundreds or probably thousands of times. Being authentic should be easy. However, if we are seeking new business or to gain approval of others that maybe we don't know yet, uh, we may find ourselves upselling or working really hard to figure out what will convince the client or the colleague that I might be working with that I'm everything they expected in a consultant? Humans inherently make decisions a lot of ways. However, it's my experience that the client or the colleague you're working with, primary question in their mind is subconsciously, they're trying to answer, do I trust this person or do I have confidence they are trustworthy and that they won't intentionally harm me or my business in any way? They want to answer, are they able to help solve the technical problem I'm depending on them to work through in any way that is considerate of many variables and all those that are involved? If we try to wow people with our intelligence or essentially lay it on too thick, most of the time a client picks up on that and they can see right through the smoke and mirrors. Very true. Absolutely. And I learned this, I'll say the hard way, early on in my career. So using non-authentic consulting techniques to force clients' hands into decisions or we're constantly citing the worst case scenarios or regulatory requirements to get a point across won't usually be well received. Being authentic, bringing a client along in the journey of whatever you are consulting on and making the complex digestible as you work is powerful. And it will build client understanding and commitment to continuous improvement in solving problems effectively, everyone wins. Yeah, I like that. Trust is a big factor in the business world and outside. And sometimes earning that is a process. Not always easy. No. Yeah. What are (laughs) effective ways to respond to maybe the defenses or resistance out there? Yeah, this one I think is a great one to talk about. I'm going to give a teaser on it and, and kind of challenge people to dig deeper. So I think behind defenses or resistance, are certain feelings, right? And most often, strong ones. If you're someone that approaches these scenarios with trying to talk a customer or client out of how they are feeling, try another approach next time and see what happens. Attempting to tackle resistance head-on will commonly not end well. Regardless if the person you're engaging with tells you they're a straight shooter or they like adversity or they enjoy (laughs) conflict, asking your client to help express what they are experiencing I know it can get a little squishy, right? But many times in words, that can help tremendously. Attempting to conquer or defeat resistance will only intensify the resistance. Getting your clients to talk about their concerns, 
will help explain enough for you to choose what methodology as a consultant should be used for dealing with this resistance. And again, there are a ton of tools out there. And I kind of want to tease people a little bit to think about how they're attempting to really impact or work through defenses or resistance with that response. Hey, Derek, I'm kind of curious. What is more important, air sampling results or observations? Oh, this is a good one. We could talk about this for a long time, and I'm going to kind of hit it right between the eyes. I believe with little training, and this might be offensive to some people, but just stay with me. Well, you've never done that before, have you, Derek? (laughs) Never, never, never. You can't ever find that with me. So with little training and average level of determination, and I would say intelligence, many people can correctly follow instructions. And today with technology, following a video on YouTube to perform personal air monitoring or noise monitoring, and you fill in the blank, right? They can also likely get the sample sent off to a laboratory if you're doing something like that. And in most cases, work through properly submitting that chain of custody form. Sometimes you might even sample for an analyte backwards. And I'm not saying that because I have that firsthand experience or anything like that. (laughs) But that typically only happens once. You never make that mistake twice when you have to deal with that with your boss. I think we've all dealt with that one time in our careers or not. (laughs) I think so too. So humbly speaking, That laboratory that you're working with in this example or the direct read instrument that you've got in front of your eyes is going to give results every time, regardless of your tenure or your experience as a consultant. My comments are not intended to minimize or really reduce the complexity of industrial hygiene sampling. Quite the opposite, as I've experienced probably about 800 on-site IH visits in my day. However, Stay with me on this. Let's unpack it just a little further. As consultants, we have to recognize, evaluate, and stride towards assisting our clients with reasonable control recommendations to reduce the risks for their employees. Observations are critical. Asking enough questions to understand process flow, stepping back and watching tasks be completed, acknowledging in your field notes why an exposure is likely lower than an occupational exposure limit you might be considering, or why that exposure is likely above an occupational exposure limit is likely a key part of helping determine what is next for your client. And that's done before you even have the sampling results. Being confident in sampling results with solid observation can provide the why behind the what and help decide which exposure limit applies so your customer can digest what to do next. Relying on sampling results to influence a customer's decision to implement some costly engineering control recommendation or an expensive PPE requirement change without having complete confidence that your observations line up with the discovery is frankly gambling on your ability to influence change or improve a situation you have no direct control over. Lack of having direct control and authority is what makes consulting difficult. And at times, maybe what makes all of us crazy, but ultimately understanding how to use leverage and impact and influence recommendations being accepted is what Peter Block refers to as flawless consulting. I can't tell you how many times observations of a risk or exposure concern were far more valuable than sampling results. Yeah, that's a good point and good example. And then when you have these results and information and you have to report them, 
you say a report should stand alone. What does that mean? Yeah, that's something that was literally drilled into my head at an early phase of my career back in the, the late 90s, I guess, in the early 2000s. I guess I would ask our listeners, have you ever read a risk management report or an industrial hygiene survey or an environmental report and are left with a number of questions? Oh, many a time, especially yeah. the last two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would say the same thing. Through a lot of red ink in my experiences on my reports that I used to write way back in the day, and many inquiries by coaches and mentors that came alongside me, being taught how to craft a well-written work product took years. A good report has some form of an executive summary. It tells that story high level enough to allow the reader to choose to stop investing time because everything evaluated is acceptable or the points they were interested in where the reader could focus and or choose to really essentially move on and understand what changes or continuous improvement is needed or not needed, depending on what was found. A consultant's report should stand alone and be able to tell the story of whatever was being assessed to any reader, regardless of their knowledge or being present during the assessment. Identifying conditions, who, what, why, where are the basics that can often be overlooked or skewed when a consultant overcommits themselves with too many different things they're trying to accomplish while they're on site or just doesn't follow good work practices. That's good advice because I can see where that could be a little difficult for some to do. So like you said, that's kind of something you developed over the years and important to kind of give that as a helpful tip to our listeners for sure. Derek, can you kind of give us maybe one example of the most ridiculous safety matters you consulted on and why? Oh, <laughs> Why would you? Well, my question is. Hopefully you don't have too many. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I think we all have a few, right? It can't be anything you and I worked on together, by the way, oh. either, okay? <laughs> oh, I have to throw that one out then. Uh, <laughs> those many, yeah. Exactly. So this one is going to be pretty funny. At least it was to me. An employee was complaining about respiratory hazards in their workplace and produced a complaint to both the safety team as well as the union in this particular environment. Therefore, a hazard assessment, of course, was conducted, and it was focusing on personal welding team monitoring various similar exposure groups throughout the weld department. But this particular person was really making a big deal about respiratory hazard concerns. And after some time of observations, I had a discussion with this welder who was complaining about these respiratory hazards to weld fumes. Upon walking up to them, to have this conversation, they flipped up their welding helmet. And what do you think was in their mouth underneath their welding helmet? Let me guess. Cigarette? How did you guess? <laughs> no. A cigarette. <laughs> A cigarette was hanging out of their mouth. It was lit. He was smoking. And it was hanging out of his mouth. And I looked at him. And Ted, you know me and my personality. Yeah. He proceeded to complain about being exposed to welding fume and how it was harming, harming him and while he's welding and had this edgy attitude about it. And I asked him if he was serious. And I said, this is awfully uncanny for you to be so concerned about the welding fume that's around you while you're wearing a welding helmet and welding while you're smoking a cigarette under your welding helmet. There's a lot more to that story. It was quite amusing. And frankly, one of those you almost couldn't believe, right? And it was just a circumstance that they really just left me shaking my head and in many cases kind of just laughing about it. 
Yeah, that was unexpected. (laughs) I had a similar situation where we had some workers that called OSHA because of that. And OSHA came out and they were doing the inspection and looking at everything. And as OSHA's walking around, they're talking to the guys, but as they're talking, all of them are smoking. And OSHA person came up to me and said, these guys are so concerned about the um, respiratory stuff, but yet they're all smoking. It's amazing how you run into that. So you have to be able to handle that correctly, right? And that work kind of goes back to just being a professional and doing the job the best that we can. Absolutely. That's a really good point. We're going to end it with one question here. We want to ask you and share your information with the viewers, but what are two important parts of an on-site visit that our listeners can kind of take from you? Yeah. And people might be like on the edge of their seat thinking I'm going to give them some (laughs) profound answer. Well, I am, Derek. Come on. It's really simple. The opening and closing conference, both set up the visit for success, prepare your client or customer for what to expect, and there's no surprises. Putting the expectations out there right away, right? Absolutely. And if you've done your job well, and you're an effective consultant that works authentically, that's trustworthy, it should be easy. Yeah. I like that answer. Definitely. Good points. Yeah, and I kind of have one way to sort of wrap up some of this. One of the things I guess I'd like to say is when you and I were talking about this, Ted, why I chose this topic, Mm -hmm. when you think about focusing on consulting and what have you learned and big differences making an impact on customer service, I chose this content for today's podcast because I cherish developing others. I'm a servant at heart. No matter really where someone's career is, I'm humbled to have the opportunity in the past and in the future to work with so many talented risk management and industrial hygiene and environmental health and safety professionals. And one thing really struck me this week, and I was just absolutely humbled. A 37-year professional chose to retire early and sent me a note this past week. And essentially, Ted, it talked about the many thanks to a lot of people. And this note went out to hundreds of people. And I was blown away with a comment that they said a special thanks to me because I believed in them and that I essentially helped make them a better manager in their development for their final role in their professional career. And to me, I think this is a lifelong journey. And this particular person I'm talking about was somebody that was in the last part of their career. And I think it's such a reminder when we're consulting, we all have opportunity for improvement. We all have opportunity to be authentic. We all have opportunity to be trustworthy. And it's a lifelong journey. Definitely. That's a big compliment for you. And the industry needs people like you who have that passion to teach and develop people. It makes a big difference. It really does. Yeah, it really does. And as you know, Derek, I've worked with you for over 20 years or close to 20 years, I should say, because I don't want to say over. That makes us sound too experienced. (laughs) But you really do have a passion for this stuff. And so we really appreciate you being on the show and being a part of TED Speaks. But as you know, we're coming to that one part where we have a little fun with you. As you know, I'm the positive safety coach. And now we're going to have a little fun with you and see how you do on our jokes. The question is, Derek, are you ready? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Let's jump in. All right. We're going to jump in here with the first joke of the day. Why don't crabs give to charity? I don't know. Because they're shellfish. (laughs) (laughs) You can share these with your kids tonight, by the way. 
Ted, that's exactly what I was just thinking. I'll be yeah. sharing that with my kids tonight. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let me know how the result goes, too, by the way. <laughs> what did the evil chicken lay? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to say I'm not sure on that one. Deviled eggs. Very oh. popular, probably, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Okay, one last one for you here. What's the best way to watch a fly fishing tournament? From the air. Live stream. Uh, I think uh, you would like that one, you being outdoorsman and all there. Yeah. Yes, I like that one a lot. That was a good one to end on. Hey, thanks a lot for uh, being on Ted Speaks today. Also, could you please share if somebody wants to get in hold with you and learn more about what you talked about today? Sure, absolutely. I can be reached probably best on my cell phone at 715-432-6849. Again, that's 715-432-6849. Or you can reach me on my email and I work for Greenheck Group and my email is derek.boyd at greenheck.com. Perfect. Sounds good, Derek. Thank you very much for being on TED Speaks and you have a super safe day. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was fun. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week.